Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Manchester is Red podcast here by the Manchester Evening News. I am your host for the first time in a long while, Ash Barami. And I'm joined by Dominic Booth. Hello. I'm by Rich Fair. Hello, nice to be on. Can we just say how, how good we... it is to have you back, Ash? Just, it's been it's been far it too long. I was thinking that. Um, I was thinking like, who would I be as a as a United player on this podcast? And Phil Jones. First thing, like, no, no, no. Well, uh, I mean, I've, I've made a couple of appearances. <laughs> I was thinking more someone like maybe Lee Grant, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, if you do yeah. remember, Heart of the dressing room. Yeah, DJ King yeah. of the banter sort of. No, yeah. I think people actually like Lee Grant. Ash. Oh well, yeah. There's that as well. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good to be on. It's good to be joined by both of you. I mean, it's the first day of the transfer window opening today. A rather quiet sort of open in two weeks, which, which as you would probably expect, given the season ending and the start of the Euros and most people would be away on their breaks. But there's been some bullish news coming out about Jadon Sancho, Dom. I'll start with you. There's been talk about United feeling almost cautiously optimistic about a deal for Sancho happening. There have been talks reopened with the player, which... We did have, obviously, last year. But where do you think that deal sort of is? Because I guess from everyone else's perspective, it's 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 always going to come down to the two clubs agreeing a fee as opposed to the sort of club and the player, I guess. Yeah, I don't expect anything will happen in the immediate few weeks. I wrote a piece just, just basically because the window had opened that um, went live this morning talking about what, what will happen. And obviously, we've got the Euro starting this Friday, uh, recording this on the on the Wednesday. So I don't think any deals are obviously going to happen in the next couple of days. United are cautiously optimistic about Jadon Sancho. I think right, rightly so. There's a, a feeling around Borussia Dortmund that he will finally be allowed to leave this summer and it will be for a, a smaller price. Not a hugely smaller price, but I think maybe... Uh, 20 million off maybe from what they were demanding last summer obviously United didn't get anywhere near to to doing that deal and it it dragged on throughout the summer and probably impinged on their ability to do other deals and bring other players in so that's what United need to avoid this summer they will have uh, I think six weeks after the end of the Euros between the end of the Euros sorry and the season starting so it's about getting deals done really in that window you're talking end of July I think should be United's target to get people in. And we know that United are interested in Sancho. Rafael Varane as well uh, is a target. And, and I think anyone would say those two players would fill the, the voids at right wing and centre-back. It's just whether United can, can get them done. It's not it's not a hugely exciting time for United fans, I don't think, at the minute. We're seeing that, I think, in the moment with um, interest in and what we're writing, I think, is obviously a shift in focus to the Euros the next few weeks, which is probably a nice, refreshing change. United have just got to make sure they do their due diligence behind the scenes while all the glitz and the glamour of the, the international tournament's going on, and they need to be in a position to pounce, really, as soon as the tournament finishes. Yeah, I mean, we'll touch on, I guess, with all the Euros international stuff a bit later on in the podcast. But, Rich, in terms of transfers, there's, always, there's been talk about, obviously, Kieran Trippier, there's been talk about Varane and also Sancho. But where, where, do you, where do you feel like the priority lies with you in the transfer window? Is it, if you had to just almost like pinpoint one position that would give United almost the best opportunity of closing the gap to City next season, what would that, what would that be for you? What should, what should their number one aim be in this window? 
Well, it does change every single week almost, doesn't it? And I guess the refreshing, refreshing thing now is there hasn't been a, a, a sort of result that drives it because it's almost, no matter what United did in the last game, sort of can influence people's like desire and what they want to see in the summer. But I think it's got to be centre-back. The noise is that United are going to go all out for a centre-back. They don't have a, a reliable partner for Harry Maguire. The Europa League final, you know, epitomise that the goal that they conceded was just lapsed concentration and you know having a, a centre-back partnership will just bring extra confidence to the whole team it'll bring extra confidence to the midfielders as well and give them a bit more sort of well sort of unleash the, sash- the shackles and let them just attack themselves and have a bit more freedom in front of the, the defence because you can tell that even the goalkeepers and there's a real sort of lack of confidence in that United back line. Of course, they've had periods where they've had really good defensive work and some decent clean sheet records, etc. But, you know, it's been the cliche throughout the whole season. United won't win the league title with Lindelof and Maguire and Baye is their, their trio to, to select from. They've all got question marks about them, even Harry Maguire, but he's proven his importance to the side, even when he wasn't playing, ironically. And that's when you, you know about him the most, really. So I, I would say that they've just got to go all out for a centre-back. The noise is that they will do that. I guess you just then... There will be no excuses if United did go out and buy someone like Varane, though, because then you've got a centre-back partnership of Maguire and Varane. You've got a strike force, which when Liverpool won the league, they outscored them in green with Marshall and Rashford. You've added Cavani to that mix. So I understand the need for, or maybe the desire for some fans to see an extra attacker added as well to supplement those attacking options. But... Centre-back is, is the one area of the pitch where you can't really argue to say United have a strong enough sort of pool of players, even if everything clicks. Whereas I think you can argue that they've got quite a strong midfield, given that van der Beek's hardly had a kick in. And they've got quite a lot of options up front, considering they've got that, that trio that did outscore Liverpool two years ago. You've got Ahmad, who's arrived, and you've got Cavani. Yeah. Dom, would you go along with what Rich says there? I mean, in terms of defence, we, we really did see what Harry Maguire was all about when he wasn't there and it's a sort of a case of like you sort of don't know what you've got till it's sort of gone or would you say that maybe the final third is probably the position that's going to draw the gap to City the most? Uh, they do need to close the gap to City and obviously th- there's that almighty scramble for a striker that they might actually not pan out this summer. I know there's been a lot of talk about Harry Kane and Erling Haaland as the two, you know, marquee names, the blue ribbon names basically from around Europe that every side wants and they're possibly both available this summer or they're both wanting out of their clubs this summer, whether they're actually available and whether they're attainable for a decent price. I really doubt that. I think it's very unlikely that clubs are going to pay the £150 million that it would take really to, to get either player away from Tottenham or, or Dortmund, respectively. So I think United are right to concentrate elsewhere. I think Rich, Rich is absolutely right about centre-back and, and how a, an addition like Varane, I know he's been around for a long time, but he's still only 28. He's got pace. He's got you know experience at the very highest level winning World Cups and Champions League with uh, with France and Real Madrid. I think the interesting one there, I don't know what you think about this, Rich, is the defensive midfield position. I know you said, Rich, that United have got options and um, I'm a big big fan of, of Fred and McTominay. I think that they've actually offered a lot of solidity to United. I do accept the argument that United could possibly upgrade on them and that's why we've seen the links with, with Declan Rice. I think he's a player that United do like, but it doesn't appear to be one that they're overly eager to get done this summer maybe in comparison with centre-back and, and right wing what, what do you think Rich about defensive midfield? Yeah I think it's I, I would even argue that perhaps it is more of a priority than right wing if I was in charge because like you said Tom and Fred is a is an axis which you know it's safe it's secure you know exactly what you're getting but you also know exactly what you're not getting and they've got their limitations 
And I think they're almost on borrowed time at United as, as a pair going forward because I think they, they've both been really good this season. And I think that they get a lot of harsh criticism whenever they do anything wrong because they're not the glamour names. They're not as fancy as the options at other clubs. And of course, the fact that N'Golo Kante had such a good end to the season with Chelsea is sort of put the comparisons in, in really unfair sort of light because United clearly now do look like they've not got that world-class that world-class option. But yeah, I think defensive midfield would totally transform the United side. It means that, you know, you're not only going... like United can beat Chelsea and Man City in one-off games, but I think to match them throughout a season, they need to have that midfield balance, which those two teams do have. And I think at the moment they don't quite have that because United's best performances still come when they're playing on the counter-attack. If you've got a defensive midfielder, you've got that ability then to anchor your own play, but also then have an expansive style when you do get the ball because you, you're just matching them and playing them at their own game almost, which I feel that United still can't quite do in the big matches. If you've got someone, I'm not saying Kante, but I think someone like you said, Rice or Ndidi even, sitting there in front of defence, let's Pogba play with a bit more freedom in front of him, which we saw for France on, on Tuesday night, how good he was when he had that freedom to do whatever he wanted really. You've got Bruno Fernandes as well, who can attack even more. Okay, you might say that's a bit gung-ho, but for many games, and particularly against those low-block sides where we've seen United come unstuck so often this season, you know, that would really transform the way they play. So I think defensive midfield really should be a priority. Obviously, Matic is getting older. He's got a a long-term contract, which I think was excessive. I think United are in progress on on the way they do sort of handle the older players and, and the veterans in the team. I think Matic still does offer a a good value to, to the side, you know, in terms of his experience. And he is a winner, you know. He might not be the winner that some United fans want, but he does serve a purpose. But you've got someone like James Garner, and he's coming through, signing a new defensive midfielder. We'll probably rely on first giving him a chance in pre-season to see exactly where he's up to. I don't think United will rush anything. Like I said, the European Championships are on, and almost every single target United have is involved in them. So I wouldn't expect any business soon, but I, I would go along with with the growing sort of belief that defensive midfield should be second or third on, on the list, really. Yeah, In- interesting. I mean, another midfield issue that I was just thinking of there is is Paul Pogba. I mean, is, this is a guy who's now 20 years, turning 29 next March, and he's only got a year left on his contract. And United are in a pretty awkward situation here because they're probably the closest, I think, they've been to the title in the last few years. And Pogba's got a year left. In terms of a transfer value with one year left on his contract, I can't actually sort of like put a price on Pogba in terms of how much he, how much he's worth, sort of. So I guess the question kind of draws down to, do United let this play... Say, let's say, hypothetically, Pogba doesn't want to stay. Do United cash in this summer, knowing that they're going to obviously be weaker next season without him? Or do they let it ride out and just have poor Pogba? And you know what players are like when they're on the last year of the contract. They always have that little bit extra fire in them. They're a bit more motivated because they know they're playing for a contract elsewhere. So do United take that route or do you think they would probably look at cashing in? And that's a question to to both of you, I guess, to answer. Yeah, I, I saw a lot of what United fans said on Tuesday night um, when Pogba was was obviously tearing up for France as he is wont to do when he has N'Golo Conte next to him. We, we know that that is a partnership that, that is arguably the best in world football. It was good enough to win the World Cup three years ago. Pogba, I do think Pogba is suited to international football. I do think that that environment of that France team with the glittering array of talent that it has suits Pogba down to the ground. Didier Deschamps seems to have a a good management style with him. Quite relaxed. He he lets Pogba do what he wants, basically, within limits, obviously. I I do think that that United fans can can sometimes be very harsh on, on their own club's treating of Pogba and the way that it's mapped out over the last five years. You know, there has been some 
have been some good moments with Pogba United, and he did have a fairly good season, I think, in the last twelve months. I just think, I think that the end of the road is near, and I don't think there's much United can do about it. The only thing they can do, like you say, Ash, possibly to to just delay it for twelve months and and take the hit of losing Pogba on a free, if it means they can pack Pogba with a couple of extra. Uh, pack the team and surround Pogba with a couple of extra top players and try and win the league is probably a, w- a risk worth taking. Like you say, Ash, how much do you get for Pogba at the moment in the current market? I know maybe if he has a good Euros, maybe 20 million extra, but it looks like 50 million, 60 million. And the pandemic changes things, doesn't it, as well, in terms of what foreign clubs can afford to pay. I mean, you're, well, you're not going to want to sell well. Pogba. But who's, who yeah. is going to buy him? Barcelona cash-strapped, having to sign free agents. PSG, PSG. maybe? always say that they've got the money, but I think their intentions, you know, just giving Neymar a new contract and they're, they're keen to get Mbappe down on a new deal as well. So I'm not sure maybe that they really will have as, as much money as they're saying they they do. And you also maybe question that if Wijnaldum's going to PSG now, so do they need Pogba as well this summer? I don't think they've got an urgency to get in, whereas in a year's time they might revisit it and be able to, to make an approach. Of course, Pogba doesn't sign a new deal. He'll be able to sign terms effectively with a foreign side from January. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all, all pans out. But I just can't see anyone buying him. I, I don't know who who maybe wants him and who, who needs him this summer. He'd be a luxury buy for any club, but not an essential buy. And I think particularly in, in this pandemic, the elite clubs will all do business. But they've really got to be wise to who they who they sign. You can't be buying squad players, really, I don't think. I think every elite club, really, particularly ones in Spain, you know, the, neither of them won La Liga. So they've got to themselves get back to the, the top of Spain. I don't think buying Paul Pogba is the buy they need to, to do that. So it's got to be interesting. But as Dom said, I think it is almost worth the risk for United to to obviously try and keep him if he can, but if he doesn't want to stay, then just make the most of that final year and give it one real big push to go for the title. Yeah, it's 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 just difficult. I mean, in terms of like a transfer V on Pogba, like there's got to be some in mind that I guess United would probably cash in on him. But I guess the last question on that topic is, can United afford to let him go on a free for a second time? Well, it, it's letting him go on a free or having the challenge of trying to replace him if you sell him this summer that's the that's the trade-off that United have to have to make they obviously thought they were getting a replacement of sorts in Donny van der Beek when he arrived uh, for a fairly cheap price last summer really I thought 35 40 million I thought was a good price for for him and, and what what he'd achieved with Ajax Jack Grealish is probably the obvious player out there who could replace Pogba and and has that sort of arrogance and swagger and obviously the, the pure talent to slot into United. And I bang that drum a lot that, that I think Grealish is a perfect fit for United, but he's going to he's going to be as expensive as anyone this summer, Grealish, especially if he shines at the Euros and Villa are, are going to want to keep him tied down. I think he started a new contract last year with, with Villa until 2024, 2025 maybe. Uh, I just think now is not the summer for United to be trying to replace Paul Pogba and Maybe that means they do have to to keep him for another 12 months and, and run his contract down. We know that Mino Raiola will strike strike a hard bargain and a, a contract extension for Pogba is going to be very, very expensive in terms of wages. Maybe United will, will just have to, to see how this one plays out. Yeah, we shall see. I mean, you just get the feeling that a Mino Raiola comment is sort of around the corner, isn't it? We're at that territory now of international football, so we will keep an eye on that here at the Manchester Evening News. From one midfield to, to another, and you touched on him there, Dom. Donny van der Beek, he's been, he's just had, I mean, what a year he's had since he's joined United. Just absolutely riddled with bad luck. 
Rich. Um, groin injuries ruled him out of the, of the Euros, and yeah, you just see, you just think now he's out of the Euros. We don't have an idea when he'll obviously be back, but you'd assume he'll be back pre-season, maybe the start of the season. But you just had the feeling that this could have been a tour- a chance for him to sort of have a good tournament for Holland and sort of cement his place or even start the season in the United starting eleven. But you can't see that happening now, can you? And it's, it feels like his sort of the next season sort of going to start the way it sort of ended for him, I guess. Yeah, he's, he's had such rotten luck since he, he moved to United. You know, he scored on his debut. We were all thinking that this could be the start of something really spe- special if United got the bargain buy of, of last summer. Good against Brighton as well. But then he sort of faded away. I think he's been really unfortunate with the way he's been utilised throughout the season. Of course, he's got to hold his hands up and admit that when he's been on the pitch, he's largely been quite anomalous. But he played in so many different positions. He couldn't really ever get a, a clear run of game time. He's been brought on either to change the game when United were underperforming as a team anyway, or playing in lesser matches against weaker opposition where even if he did something well, you'd say, well, they're, they're playing against a weakened team, so he shouldn't be in the starting lineup. So he's had his back against the wall quite a bit there. But yeah, the irony is that Wolves on the last day is probably his best performance of the season. I thought he ran the show really well from that, that deeper position, which as Dom alluded to, could see him eventually as a poor Pogba sort of successor, not the direct replacement, but a player who could take his role in midfield and, and really did sort of fit in with everything United wanted. But yeah, the groin injury ruling him out of the, of the European Championship is another damaging blow for him. You know, the news coming from Holland is that he's had this groin injury for, for quite a while now mm. and he's been taking painkillers for the last few weeks, which might in itself sort of explain why he didn't get as much game time towards the end of last season as, as he would have liked to. Again, it maybe brings into question United's handling of injured players as well, because obviously we've got Maguire and Rashford on international duty who have both been suffering long-term really for, for their fight. But, you know, I think it also says something that the players are willing to fight for the club and they want to play every single minute. You know, Solskjaer has got a good bunch and a real good attitude there at Old Trafford. But Van der Beek's going to now have to have some time off, get up to speed, make sure he's 110% and then go again in the summer. You know, pre-season will be big. And you've got to remember that last summer he didn't have any pre-season whatsoever. The pack fixed his schedules meant that he's not really done any sort of specific tactical work at United because every training session's either been a recovery one or sort of a bit of playing towards the next next match. But he's hardly had a chance to really understand his role or even be given a role in this United side. So it's it is just another real bad bit of luck for him. And you do sense that next season is just make or break or you know, it can't continue like this. And United it's a bad luck look for them as well. But Van der Beek hasn't necessarily been at his best all season even when he's had a chance but you've got to feel sorry for him mm. Don where, where do you I mean in terms of United transition sort of away from like a counter-attacking team surely you'd think Van der Beek would be the one in midfield playing in almost like that deeper ball as he did on the last day of the season against Wolves do you think I mean would is he sort of the would he be the answer to Paul Pogba if Paul Pogba did depart uh, maybe this summer or the summer after or do you think even if that happened, then United would probably still even look elsewhere. He's obviously a different type of player to Pogba. I don't think he would he would be considered a direct replacement, although I did say that he was part of the, maybe a replacement plan for Pogba at United. But I think he's got a lot to offer. I think I think whenever I've seen him, he's not been particularly bad in games whenever he's played. He's, he's just sometimes been quite quiet. He's operated around the periphery of games. I remember a game at Everton that I covered in the League Cup where... He started well, he, he provided some really nice touches, but he was playing on the left and then he didn't really get involved in the game once it sort of descended into a bit of a midfield battle. So I think he needs to be utilised properly, as Rich said. I think he can play He can play in that deeper role in midfield, definitely, especially against 
those defensive teams where you, you need someone who can pass and break the lines. I just think he needs almost a fresh start. Maybe United might actually be thinking that it's good news that Van der Beek hasn't uh, as missed the Euros because I could actually have seen him play playing very well for that Netherlands side, and it, it would have been a good look for United. It would have maybe embarrassed them that they haven't been using what is an absolutely excellent player uh, to his full potential. So they just all need to reset, I think, and he needs to go again. Maybe he can be a formidable presence in the United midfield. I just don't think he's a, a Paul Pogba-type presence in, in the midfield. Like I say, I'd look towards someone like Jack Grealish or an outside signing to truly replace Pogba, probably in 12 months' time is the most realistic time for that. Yeah, we shall see what happens there. And in terms of moving on from that, we have obviously an appointment off the pitch United have made, which ahead of player development is coming at Manchester United. What can you tell us about that? Well, yeah, Justin Cochrane's coming and, you know, he's highly rated within the England set of those rumours that he could even be in line for the England under-21 role after Eddie Bufroyd has decided to leave that vacancy. His contract was up in the summer anyway and worked at Tottenham alongside Scott Parker in the youth system. He's got a real good pedigree and it's seen as somewhat of a coup for United that they, they've got him in and he's making his return to, to club football. But I know Dom's done a piece on this as well today, which is on the MEM website if you want to give it a read. But he's got a real tough act to follow following Nicky Butt's departure early in the year. And yeah, I guess the the interesting thing is that even amid like last season and there was criticism of the way United operated at senior level, but at youth level, they've still been the example, you know, in English football. And of course, the under-23s didn't win the title or anything last season. But you've got to look at the context of that and the mitigation of why all their good players are basically out on loan. It's a really young squad, even for the level of, of under-23s football, most of them teenagers. McNeil and Hugel arrived, both absolute coups. You've got Camboala, who joined late in the summer window as well, who's seen as one for the future. They've got a really exciting young team United and... Of course, there's going to be pressure on any youngster who comes through Manchester United because having them on your CV is, you know, something that's going to weigh you down and underline everything that you achieve in the game, really. No matter where you turn up, your Manchester United youngster or a former Manchester United youngster, you know, there's there's that weight of it and that expectation. But as soon as Nicky Butt left, of course, United then had their restructure of Dan Fletcher and John Murtaugh coming in into their new roles as technical director and football director uh, sort of or director of football, no, football director, isn't it? I always get all mixed up about what, what the actual terminology <laughs> is. But yeah, it's it's an important move for United to get back on track because but leaving was a, was a hammer blow and it did look like United were maybe regressing after so much progress. But I'm not sure about you, Don, but I'm I'm pretty excited about this, this appointment. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the strategy is because Nicky Butt had a, a very firm belief in what he thought was the right thing to do at academy level. He, he wanted to keep the numbers small. He wanted to push players into higher age groups and, and get them playing to a higher standard as they possibly could. We obviously saw that with the under-23s, like you say, Rich, with 18-year-olds packing the, the team under-23s level who could have been playing for the under-18s, the age, age group below. Whether uh, Justin Cochran feels that's the, the right strategy to continue with remains to be seen. United have been quite picky about where they send players out on loan and they've only been sending them where they, they truly believe they're, they're going to develop and get the necessary game time and players have been recalled from loans where that hasn't happened. So that'll all be within Justin Cochran's remit and I'm, like like Rich said, I'm quite excited to see where this goes. He had a very exciting age group team with England that he managed, I think, through the age groups at 15, 16s and 17s. Uh, and a few of those will probably be seeing very soon at international level, uh, senior-wise. So it's a good job for him. It's a it's a, 
always interesting covering United at youth level because there's, there's always so much intrigue around the players who emerge. And at the moment, obviously, we've got Shola Shortire, Anthony Alanga and, and people like that on the brink of the first team. So uh, exciting times, I think. Yeah, maybe question mark on it is how quickly you can get Solskjaer's trust because Solskjaer had such an ally in Butt, didn't he? And of course, it was Nicky Butt who basically managed the team when they went to Astana in that Europa League game and was always recommending players to, to Solskjaer. So it's got to be interesting to see just how Solskjaer reacts to it as well. I'm sure he'll take it on, on board really well because there's been that real, real clear pathway between the youth team and the first team at the moment. And long may it continue. Yeah, and as well, the landscape of football changes so quick, doesn't it? I mean, you're just reeling off the list of youngsters there and... You've got like a Hugel or McNeil. I know people are talking right now about players like Erling Haaland and Harry Kane, but yeah, you never know. All it takes is a League Cup game next season, FA Cup game, injuries in February, March, and you have a Hugel or McNeil that steps up and maybe, I don't know, in 12 months' time in June 2022, no one's even, everyone would look back on this and would think, why didn't we even talk about Harry Kane? Yeah, Yeah, you just, that's just, I guess that's part of the beauty of football that the landscape does change quick and players can just come out of nowhere. Yeah, you can get maybe a bit too excited about it as well, though, because it's probably important to note that on Monday, James Wilson signed for Port Vale, 25 years old. A few years ago, we were probably saying he'll be leading the line for England <laughs> at the Euros last year in, in the World Cup next summer. So He'd been in one of those, uh, and... the England team for this tournament predicted exactly. eight years. Exactly. Which had yeah. Well, yeah, if you, I'm sure there's probably an article with what the England team might look like in 2021. And it's probably got James Wilson somewhere in the squad, hasn't it? And, you know, mm. his tale is another one which just sort of epitomises that, you know, how, how the sliding door moments sort of come. You know, I mean, Rashford's breakthrough came when Wilson and Will Keane weren't available for, for playing time. You know, he's well down the pecking order. You just need that luck, but you also need to have the ability to take the opportunity. So, you know, Hugel and McNeil were both seen as real coups by United last summer. But, United have only given them the platform to potentially become football league players, never mind Premier League players. So there's still a hell of a lot of hard work to do. And we've seen so many wonder kids through the years who have been really impressive at, at youth level, but the transition into the first team doesn't always work. And alternatively, we've seen players who maybe aren't stars at youth level actually make it into senior football because they've got the right mentality and their head screwed on. So it's exciting and you can see why fans get carried away, but you, you also need to be a bit level-headed as well. Just the last question on this as well. Um, you two have both covered, obviously, the academy quite a lot this season. And who do you think, out of the players you've watched at academy level, this is a question to both of you, who do you think is probably most ready, would you say, to step up? Who, I guess, in terms of, like, maturity and, and ability, I guess? Tom, Go on, Rich, you're late. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, okay. You can't have the same answer. <laughs> okay, well, I was going to go... Okay. I'll go for a wild card. I'm not going to say someone who can go, go into the first team and make an, an impact, but if he doesn't go out on loan, I think that... Will Fish has probably got a good chance of maybe being in League Cup teams, perhaps featuring in some of the cup competitions. You know, he's he was in he made his debut against Wolves, a real, real brief cameo on the final day of the season. He was added to the B list during the Europa League campaign, mainly because United don't have many options at centre back. And of course, if another one arrives this summer, then he's further down the pecking order. But I think he's got the, the maturity, he's captain the under 23s for the majority of the season, made a real good step up. And yeah, he looks pretty solid at the back. But as Dom knows, he's the fans really care about the attacking talents, don't they? Yeah, and I'm obviously going to say an attacking player now that you said that. You said who's the most ready to step into the first team match. I'm going to go slightly different. Who is the most likely to make the grade at first team level eventually? And I think Shola Shuratire uh, is that man. Well, not, he's not even a man, is he? He's a boy. That's what. That's why I'm saying him, really, because he's 17 still. 
He looks completely at home at under 23s level. He's one of those players who seems to have an all round game already uh, at the age of 17. He, he doesn't shirk his defensive duties. He's like you say, Ash, he's very mature, very composed. Uh, he's got the ability to score a goal. He's got a bag of tricks to go past people. Um, and I think he can probably play in a number of different positions as well, which will help help him going forward if um, if and when Solskjaer comes calling. Solskjaer's given him a bit of a chance already, so he clearly rates him. So I'll, I'll say Shiratire. It'll be interesting to see what happens with, with his development over the next year. I don't believe that he will be going out on loan because I think United want to keep him on the fringes of the first-team squad. So that suggests that he could get a few more opportunities next season. And um, so, to be honest, I'm surprised none of you mentioned Hannibal. I thought he was going to be yeah, on well, both of your lips. Han- Only because he, he has also made his international debut in the last week or so. So I guess in terms of like CV for young player, in terms of experience, I guess that's a, a great thing to have, especially at his age. Yeah, and he's certainly the one perhaps the highest profile and the most hype. But of course, he was, he effectively arrived for sort of a senior player fee. You know, he came for a quite, quite a hefty fee. I think it's, it'll be more than United paid for Javier Hernandez, you know, if all the add-ons are paid, etc. for for Hannibal. Um, only paid for Roy yeah, Keane. Yeah, exactly. And he, he looks he looks like a really, really good player, a really good talent. We've seen him bullied at youth level this season, being kicked and targeted by every team he plays. He's often, you know, he's got that that's something special which those sort of playmakers have where they can just decide the game in a brief second. But he's also got that little bit of petulance at the moment. Sometimes when things aren't going well, his head drops a bit and he tries to take everyone on himself. He maybe doesn't have that sort of understanding of the game quite as Don said that Shoratiri has. And Shoratiri is every manager's dream because he's sensible and he's really calm under pressure. Hannibal, you know, it's what makes him brilliant, that sort of erratic playmaker style which which he adopts. But I think he's still got a bit of work to do, but he's such a raw maverick talent that he he has perhaps the highest ceiling of anyone in the United Youth system at the moment. But it's going to be real hard work, I think, to, to unleash it properly next season. I think he's still got a bit of development to do. You know, I think maybe a low move might might be the next logical step for him to, to showcase his talents in a, in a foreign league where he can maybe get a bit more leniency, won't be bullied as much and have that chance to really showcase his talents. Yeah, we shall see. I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more of Hannibal Medbury's name over the next year or two. We want to round off the podcast now, but I think it would be wrong two days before the start of the Euros to not obviously discuss the Euros. So I want to get a couple of your predictions in terms of the Euros, maybe one in terms of who you think might be the dark horse of the tournament and who you think will win and which Manchester United player I guess maybe as well you think might impress the most in that tournament but um, yeah we we obviously had our sweepstake and work yesterday and I'm yeah, pretty that, happy that with my well, yeah, with, with, well. with my with my options uh, Italy, Belgium and I think Hungary as well so I'll, yeah, I, got, I got England so and, I, and it's picking a winner and I got England in the sweepstake and obviously being England fan myself so I, I have to just say England are going to win don't I really yeah, exactly. And it's coming Wales, Wales, Sweden, and Portugal, which you know gradually got better. You know, I'm very happy to have Wales, you know, an extra incentive to support them as some of that. Not that I need one, but Portugal, you know, they've got the individual talents. You arguably say Ruben Diaz was, you know, the, well, he was the Premier League Player of the Year, wasn't he? You got Czech Cancelo, who's maybe the second best defender. Bruno Fernandes and Ronaldo. If everything clicks and they've got their strongest starting eleven for most matches, then you know they have got a real good chance. But the mitigation, you know, we were trying to console the people who got. I mean, Dan Murphy, one of our colleagues, he got Macedonia, <laughs> Ukraine, and Austria. I think that's what he gets for not com- turning up. Some combination of that as his three teams. But you know, the, the, the other thing to say is obviously there's the biggest squads at this Euros, but players have got to be knackered after the season they've just had, and you, there won't be many of the key players being able to play 90 minutes 
you know, twice a week. So it's going to be interesting to see the squad rotation, the squad depth, which will come into to play. Dom's back in England to win it, which, you know, reluctantly say they've probably got a good chance but I think France and Belgium are still their squads are just on another level I think and they're just packed with talent that France team France played Wales last week in a friendly and it was just unfair the team they had up against us was just <laughs> absolutely ruthless it was like when you're playing someone's ultimate team on FIFA and you've not been buying packs like I don't know how anyone competes <laughs> with that so if they can click and Obviously, they've got the pedigree of a World Cup win and get into the, the finals of the Euros five years ago. I think France, I'd still back France. Yeah, Ash, you ask um, which United player you think will, we think will thrive at the tournament. And I mentioned him earlier and, and talk about France as well. I think Paul Pogba is the obvious candidate, really. Like like we've said previously in the podcast, other United players have been struggling with injury fatigue. They've been playing lots of games. I can't see Marcus Rashford having a great tournament based on the, his form at the end of the Premier League season. Harry Maguire injury uh, risk at the moment for England. Bruno Fernandes looks shattered at the end of the season. Uh, so it it falls down to, to Pogba for me. I think he's just built for tournament football. He's built to, to thrive in this France side. And like Rich says, I, I am back in England, but with a major caveat that I do think France are, are very, very strong and will be hugely difficult for anyone to beat. And that Pogba is going to be central to that. It's going to be really fascinating to see him play and probably to see the United reaction uh, from fans every time he does play well. Yeah, I'm, I was almost tempted to say the United player will shine most this summer could be Varane or Sancho, but we'll have to wait for those to actually happen. <laughs> but I do think that some of the, the fringy fringe players will do quite well. I know Sweden look like <clears throat> they've got a good chance to get out of the group and Vin, Victor Lindelof, you know, but probably needs that to, to showcase his talents. Dan James McTominay. is going every game for, for Wales. Yeah, McTominay as well, because he's arguably, maybe after Robertson, the, the second best player for that Scotland team. He's been really good at international level. This is going to be interesting to see how Steve Clark uses him, because obviously McTominay's played as a as a centre-back as well at times for Scotland, but Solskjaer's keen to push him further up the pitch and use him in a more of attacking sense. I mean, McTominay got seven goals last season for United, so there's a bit of a dilemma about what his role is going to be going forward. But James Lindelof and, and McTominay, I think, will all do really well for their countries. I'm not going to say that you know, any of those three teams will get particularly far, but I think those three will be integral to any success they do have. Yeah, we shall see. As always, we'll have all of the... Coverage and reaction here on the Manchester Evening News throughout the European Championships. Rich, Dom, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And thank you to all the listeners for listening. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, leave a like. And we'll be doing these podcasts throughout the summer, usually on a Wednesday. That's what we have it pinned down as on the on our weekly rotor. So keep an eye on that every Wednesday. And until then, we will see you soon.